The sun has left and forgotten me. It's dark, I cannot. Your stories don't define you, but how you tell them will. Hi, I'm Sarah Elkins, your host, and I love to call myself the chief storymaker at Elkins Consulting. Because if you want to be able to tell good stories, you have to make them first. So, quick reminder, listeners, if you are interviewing for jobs, our course, Get Hired Job Interview Storytelling, is available at elkinsconsulting.com. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I love to talk about authenticity, identity, and relevance. And I love to use stories to demonstrate how we change over time. And today's guest, Carrie Mirabal, is somebody that I met at the uh, Servant Leadership Conference in Fort Worth, Texas in 2023. And she is one of at least two other people that I've interviewed since then that I met there. You can imagine that that room was filled with people who understand the need to be authentic with everybody, to talk to people the way that you would want to be talked to, and to understand how your story and the way you tell them matters to the people around you. So I am super excited to get started. Carrie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's such a pleasure. I got to see you speak at that Servant Leadership Conference. And what I loved about how you hosted it was your your presentation was really about how, um, well, let, let's go back a little bit. I like to remind people who are interviewing for jobs that a job interview is a lot like a first date. And when I heard your presentation on what workplace dating and not, <laughs> not literally you're dating people in your workplace, right. but workplace dating. Not a good like, idea, right? No, no, no. <laughs> but I was so eager to, to chat with you. And unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to chat when we were there. Um, but the other thing that stands out to me that really lit me up about your presentation was you had these tech problems yes. where the slides weren't forwarding mm -hmm. and you, you would say, Hey, um, can you just forward them for me to the person in the back to our sound and, and IT folks? And you were gracious with them. You weren't angry. I could see your frustration as anyone would be frustrated. And yet you brought this incredible value to the audience and everyone was, I, I could see people picking up their pens, which is always a good indication that what you're saying is valuable to them. And when you finished, I was sure that no one in the room remembered the tech issues because they were <laughs> so um, enamored with the actual quality and value that you brought to the conversation. So I just wanted to put that out there before we get started. Thank you for saying that. That's always a keynote speaker's nightmare, so to speak. But when you love what you do and you're so passionate about it, no one or anything can stop you from bringing that message. So I was very thankful to the audience because in my business, you would be amazed at the things that have happened. I've had zippers break when I'm on stage and almost lost my dress. I've had, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I've shown up with the wrong, sh you know, two of two separate shoes. Uh, you just like, had a laptop crash about an hour before I was keynoting in Louisville. I'll never forget that one. 
in front of about 5,000 people. So at the last minute we were scrambling. So you have to be prepared for anything in this business. So thank you for your grace and sharing that. That warms my heart. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yes. I've had some pretty big snafus myself and not just with keynotes, but I'm also a professional musician and I'll never forget, um, at the last minute agreeing to sing the U.S. and Canadian national anthems at an event for World War II veterans Oh, at the last minute. And so, of course, it was a cappella. I was by myself. I had a microphone that was built for speaking from a podium, not for singing. Oh, wow. I was so nervous, even though I've been a professional musician for years. I was so nervous that I could feel my knees shaking. Oh, yeah. And I literally grabbed the side of the podium to keep myself <laughs> stable. <alive. laughs> I love it. You know, it's funny. I, I've been speaking for years and I, I, I will speak in front of maybe 30 people or up to like 10,000 people. But I had a similar experience at my TED talk. I have never been more nervous in my life. And yet on that day that they recorded, there were only maybe 800 people in the audience. It was just the idea that it was a life dream. And there I was doing it. So I I can relate to the wobbly knees and (laughs) uh, the craziness that can happen sometimes, but good for you for doing that. I admire that. I do not have a singing voice at all. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, it's, I think it's one of those things we do with what we have and hopefully we stand out with that magic. Absolutely. So um, let's start with my standard question. I love to hear from my guests something about them that most people don't know. So this is often something from their childhood. One woman I talked to very early on, this was probably in the first 100 episodes, she said, I just finished taking a blacksmithing course. <laughs> oh wow, like, that's interesting. She said, "I made my own knife. It was so cool." <laughs> this is yes, not- absolutely. I love that. <laughs> so, tell uh, me, what do you have to share with our audience so gosh. that we can have some more context for who you are? There's so many things, honestly. I I am not. It's funny you said that because, as some could imagine, I'm not very domestic. I can't cook, and so. I can't, my mom and my grandmother were great seamstress. So I decided to take a sewing class recently. And it's funny because it took me an hour and a half to make one pillowcase. (laughs) And I was so proud of that thing. I felt like I wanted to come home and like frame it instead of put a pillow in it. Cause I was like, I have made a pillowcase. Um, So, you know, a lot of people, uh, I have empty nests now. And so I I feel like I'm going crazy because I'm doing things like planting herbs in a garden and taking a sewing class and like exploring all these things. So it may surprise people to know that I did not inherit any cooking skills or any kind of domestic skills for sewing or ironing or anything like that. I kind of always knew at a young age that I wanted to focus on my career. Not, Not that you can't be a career woman and an amazing cook or a seamstress. I just didn't get those things uh, in my uh, DNA, I guess. (laughs) Well, I love that you're exploring these now because um, there's so many things that we tell ourselves from the stories from that youth. So um, what that brought up for me was that I used to tell myself that I killed things because I could not keep plants alive. Yes, yes. And we moved to Montana and you want to talk about harsh place to try to grow things. Yeah. And one thing that I found is that I I still generally don't keep plants alive very well, (laughs) 
But I do have um, a really nice garden that my husband and I have developed over the years. And we have this plant that's a hops plant that is super happy where it is. It comes back every year. It takes over this whole outdoor wall of our house. And I actually call it Audrey 2 from Little Shop Horrors because those hops have like almost a Velcro like texture on their leaves and their stems and they grab you as you're walking through the door. That's interesting. Wow. But I have that similar issue with keeping things alive. (laughs) But it's what, what I'm saying is I, I've told myself that story all these years because I struggled, but what I realized is that part of it was there are some things that are easier to keep alive than others. And yeah. so the things that I tried to keep alive, like a tomato plant in Montana, man, there are a lot of us that struggle with that. That doesn't mean I'm horrible with plants. It means I'm not great with tomatoes because I, I don't have the energy to baby them in yeah. a climate like Helena, Montana, but um, I, agree. I, I always tell people everybody has different gifts and <clears throat> it's funny what you say, because I'm going to tell you something really funny. I, I shop at Aldi and I think it was about a year ago. They had this signage that said, do you need more money in your life Buy the money tree? And I was like, what? It was $3 and 98 cents. And it was tiny. And I was like, I'll take more money. You know, I'm a kind of silly superstitious person or whatever. Um, so I brought this thing home and I joke because I've never taken care of anything more so than this money tree. Cause I'm convinced. Cause I, I hooked like a really big keynote deal the next week and I got a new client and I'm everything. Oh, it works, you know, as silly as it is. And so <laughs> I know what you mean when you say you protect something, I have transplanted it. I take care of it. I speak to it in the mornings. I'm like, okay, money tree, who are we going to serve today? And um, it's become a joke when people come over. I'm like, ah, don't get close to the money tree. You know, and I have like joke that I'm going to, you know, put the little partition and keep people away from it. But I have been able to keep that thing alive. Thank goodness. um, Because I'm convinced it's where some of my uh, success has come from, as silly as that sounds. No, it totally makes sense because where you put your energy is, is where things are going to thrive. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine yes. that. Oh, I love it. I love it. And it says so much about you, this um, growing up, not choosing that or knowing that it wasn't a natural instinctive thing for you to do those, the domestic things like cooking and sewing mm-hmm. and, and yet coming back to it now as you have a a different perspective in your home because you're not raising children in your home anymore. Right. So uh, (laughs) a pillowcase, that's perfect. When you think about that project at doing this pillowcase, what do you think was most satisfying about it? Mm. You know, it's interesting having the right tools because my, my sewing instructor is nothing short of a saint because I'm the only one in there that's like asking a million questions and why this and why that? And everyone else in there has sewn before except me. And so I noticed that she had this table with these irons that we were supposed to use as part of the project. Um, As you can imagine, I'm not that great with an iron either. And I noticed that she had this iron in there that she told me has been in her family for like, I don't know, 30, 35 years or something, 40 years, something like that. And it was so heavy that it did such a beautiful job 
you know, ironing the, the sides of the pillowcase, it was like so crisp and clear. And I realized that my iron sucks because it doesn't have that weight to it. And maybe that's one of the reasons why I hated ironing so much because I didn't have the right tool to do the job all these years. And so my teacher, uh, she said, you know, sometimes it just boils down to the tools and I couldn't relate more because of what I do for a living. I help teach. Well, I teach people how to network smarter and I want to give them those tools and tips so that they can use those strategies to help them with a variety of benefits. So I thought how interesting, you know, to kind of see that full force, um, just another validation, if you will, in the work that I do and how important it is to have those right tools, right? Yes. I love that in so many ways because it brings us back even to um, keeping a plant alive. Or um, I always, I always thought I didn't like winter. I didn't like the cold and being outdoors. And yet um, as soon as I had the right gear, so I have the right boots that are going to keep yep. my feet warm. I have yep. the the cleats that I can attach to those boots. So I don't slip in the ice. I have the right hat to keep my ears warm and hand warmers to go into my mittens. Like as soon as I had all the right gear, I suddenly was not only comfortable in the cold, but thriving there. Right. Absolutely. So tell me when you think about um, your top, let's say three tools for smarter networking, what are they? I definitely loved when LinkedIn hit the scene. Mm-hmm. And so when I speak at conferences and corporate events, I always laugh because I know exactly how old LinkedIn is because my son was born the same year LinkedIn launched. <laughs> so I'm really not a geek. I just, I'm always like, oh, wow, LinkedIn is 19 years old. And What's interesting is I I coach a lot of professionals that want to learn how to do not only traditional networking, but digital, you know, it's your digital asset. And a lot of them will say, oh, well, that that's new. And I have to tell them that's 19 years old. You're just new to the game, but welcome to the party. So obviously I don't work for LinkedIn, but I love the tool because it has changed my life and it is a conduit for me personally being able to expand my business and my reach across the country and quite honestly, around the world. I've met people in other countries that I've been able to share ideas and tips and work with people that I never would have been able to work with had you know that tool not come out. So I'm very big on encouraging people to not only set up a profile, but I have a keynote LinkedIn top 10 profile must-haves. Mm-hmm. That from personal experience, if you have these things on your profile, you will create the gravity that piques people's curiosity to come and want to learn more about what you do and what gifts you're sharing with the universe, if you will. So definitely think LinkedIn is an essential, fundamental way of doing business today anyway. Um, okay. That's definitely a, a tool. The other strategies that I think are super important is it may surprise some of your listeners, but I hated networking. It really intimidated me. And therefore I would go to those events and just really didn't know what to say or do, put my foot in my mouth quite a bit. And I remember just leaving feeling so stupid because I didn't know how to start conversations. I didn't know how to end conversations. 
And luckily for me, I had some great people in my life that really encouraged me and gave me some great advice that in turn, once I started applying those things, I started getting some wins. And once you get a win or two, you become addicted to the concept, which is interesting because that's how I started doing my business because I thought, gosh, you know, if somebody who hated this, who now loves it can help other people who feel awkward in doing it, then that's, I think, one of my callings and it's it's my passion. So one of the things I like to do is tell people that when it comes to networking, one of the strategies or tools that you want to leverage is just being your true, authentic self. It sounds maybe cliche, but when you speak from your heart and when you are, you know, communicating with people about common interests and so on, it's beautiful the magic that can happen there versus trying to be somebody you're not or worrying so much about coming across being interesting when you really just need to focus on being interested in what other people do. And then I would say the the concept of always putting the idea out there of how can I be of service to you? How can I help support you at this time? So by doing that and being a contribution to other people first, I was able to kind of overcome my own fears. And I realized that it is really just about mutually beneficial relationships. So LinkedIn is definitely a tool. Being your true authentic self is definitely a tool. And I think the third thing too is, and I talk about this in my TED talk, the being the CEO of your career, meaning giving yourself permission to take ownership of your own success. A lot of people tie their title, their, their, their being, if you will, to where they work or what their titles are. So back before I started my own business, people would say, oh, who do you work for? And I would always say, I work for myself, but I am currently employed at, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I've always kind of had that mindset of, it's exciting to me to get to work with different people and different organizations to bring my gifts, to see what we can do together collaboratively. So I think those are the three tools uh, for me and the success that I have had. Um, that have really helped me stay true to the work that I want to do in the world. So, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I remember walking into a networking event, super uncomfortable. And that may surprise a few of our listeners that (laughs) did not like networking. I still get like, "Mm," when I, when I hear the word networking event, like, ugh. but um, I remember walking in because I had to, it was one of those, I was working for a public sector agency and I had to be the face of our agency. And, and I remember walking in uncomfortable and I saw this other woman that was clearly so uncomfortable. I mean, maybe (laughs) even more so than I was. And I beelined for her partly because I also noticed she had fabulous shoes, (laughs) yes, vintage style shoes. And I, I, they, it turned out they were vintage shoes. They weren't just vintage style. And I beelined for her and I just said, oh my gosh, those shoes, you got to tell me about those shoes. And that was, that was my aha moment was I walked out and I was trying to figure out what it was about that networking event that made me walk away, not feeling totally drained. And it was that approach. That's right. That's right. And she was probably happy too, because a lot of times I tell people, when you go to a networking event, look for the wallflowers that are uncomfortable and help them by introducing yourself 
and asking questions. And they will be so thankful because they're standing there feeling awkward (laughs) when someone comes up to them. It's a gift. And so I think what you did was beautiful. And I think it's okay. You know, a lot of people think that it's a weakness, but I always tell people embrace it. If you're at a networking event and you feel awkward and you're in a group, it's okay to say, gosh, you know, networking is still kind of feels weird for me sometimes. So thank you all for your grace. I'd love to join your conversation because who in that little circle isn't going to probably be able to relate to the awkwardness of, instead of just standing there awkwardly and trying to come up with things to talk about, like the weather it's better just to lean into it and say, I'm a little nervous. Thank you all for letting me join the conversation. I'm excited to meet new people. You know, that type of approach I think goes a long way in being yourself. It does. Oh, I love it. That's so, I, I think um, when I talk to people about their strengths finder talents and I, I see people that have more of the deeper relationship and deep thinking talents that don't tolerate small talk. And these are the people that when they hear the word networking, they just break out into a sweat, their face flushes, just <laughs> even hearing the word. And I always, I say the same thing. If, if you're uncomfortable, guaranteed, there are a lot of other people in that room that are uncomfortable. That's right. And you owning it gives other people alone. permission. Right. <laughs> exactly. when, you, when you own it, it gives other people permission to own it themselves. Mm-hmm. And then you have the commonality of we're all uncomfortable in the same area. So here we are. Right. So I would love to hear, um, I, I know... I know one of your stories. Uh, well, I know a few of your stories, but I know one in particular that always lights me up. And it is the way that you um, guided your son when he oh. wanted to do tech support. Yes. So tell that story in the context of um, letting helping people step up into themselves and be the CEO of their career. I always joke that my you're talking about my older son, Justice. I joked that his first word was Oracle (laughs) because I used to be an IT recruiter. And when I first started my business, he was a baby. In fact, that's why I started my business. I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, but I also wanted to maintain my career. And I knew that if I became a consultant, I could kind of pick and choose my hours and who I wanted to work with and how much stress I wanted to take on or not. So he would go with me to meetings when he was little And I was so good at recruiting that my clients didn't care. They're like, yes, whatever it takes. We just want you to work on our projects. So my son was born into the geek, if you will, the geek lifestyle. Um, So he worked at Chick-fil-A through high school. And, you know, he said, mom, I I really want to get into the IT industry. And I, I don't know that this is the conduit to do that. And I agreed. It was just a job for extra money and to learn responsibilities and, and so on and so forth, uh, customer service training and whatnot. So he wanted to work at Best Buy on the Geek Squad. And so he kept applying and they never called and they never called. So I had to have that conversation with him because I do career coaching for a living. And so I have this conversation with many clients, which is sometimes we have our heart set on something and we have to own up to the reality that Maybe they're not hiring right now, or maybe we don't meet the qualifications or whatever. So we want to diversify our portfolio a little bit. And so in our case, we had an office depot in our town. And so while not the geek squad, if you will, they do sell laptops and printers and software. 
So it would be a chance to get a little one step closer to your career goal, which is to be in IT. So we went in there together and a young man walked in front of us. <laughs> I remember this like yesterday. And I said, excuse me, are you hiring? Just kind of a random thing. And my son, of course, was totally embarrassed. But when you're a mirror ball, you know, I always say we stand tall. We're mirror balls. You know, we're not afraid to go for the ask. Right. Right. So <laughs> the guy said, well, we're not hiring right now, but if I got a new job, I guess my position would be open, which of course led me to the, oh, what are, what kind of work are you looking for? And he said, I want to get into like tier one help desk. And all of a sudden my son, who was just mortified that I was talking to a stranger came out of nowhere and he was like, oh, my mom's an IT recruiter. And so of course that piqued the interest of, the, of this kid. And so a couple of weeks later, we sat down, I worked with him on his resume and his LinkedIn profile. And this is a true story. Within about hmm, 30 days, 45, he had a couple of offers. And so the deal was, I will help you, mutually beneficial relationship, if you take my son's resume in when you give your notice. And that's what he did. So my son didn't have any competition. We call that getting a job in the unpublished job market, i.e. through the network. And so my son took his place, ended up working there for two years and became the manager. Now, fast forward again, back to LinkedIn. One day I'm noticing on LinkedIn that there's a notification that that guy that I helped with that job, <laughs> he got promoted to the help desk manager position. And so my first thought was, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of him. I can't believe it's been two years. And then my second thought was, hmm. <laughs> Where did he leave? <laughs> yeah. So I reached out like, congratulations. And he asked how my son was doing. And I told him that he had just uh, finished some work in Orlando, was headed back to Oklahoma where we live. And I said, he'd be interested in tier one help desk. And one thing led to another, which led to my son having an interview. And fast forward, my son just celebrated one year at an engineering firm here in Tulsa, where he was hired on as the youngest tier one help desk in the history of the company. And all of that came about because of the strength and the courage that we sometimes need to have to answer and ask questions, mm -hmm. you know, because my mm -hmm. book is you already have the no. Basically, the premise of that is we already didn't have the job at Office Depot, right? So if we didn't ask, we would be right where we started. But if we did, we have a 50-50 chance that somebody might be able to help us on our journey. Mm -hmm. And I believe the universe is always working and opening the doors that need to open and closing the doors that need to close. And so I'm proud to say that when I work with people, I get to, use, my kids are embarrassed, but I get to use my boys. I have two. They're my pride and joy. I use them as my muses because there's nothing I'm asking my clients to do that I wouldn't ask of myself to do. So that's kind of one story of, of many. My, my older son has always been kind of opening the door for my younger son. So my younger son is learning the benefit of, oh, Someone who current, like, so when he came along to work at Chick-fil-A, for example, the interview was basically like, oh, you're so-and-so's brother. Oh, can you start on Saturday? Right. <laughs> right. And so my younger son has always benefited from, I would say in some cases, the older son 
pioneers the pathway and the younger son benefits, which is interesting because my older son is a little more introverted and my younger son is a lot like me. He's more extroverted. So it's interesting dynamics, but these stories that I share on stage or in my master classes, they're designed to help inspire people to realize that opportunities are everywhere. Sarah, I know you know that. And those authentic moments where you cross paths with somebody that lead to that organic conversation, it it really can change your life. It absolutely can. And I keep trying to remind people who are looking for jobs that if you don't tell people, then they don't know how to help you. And people really want to be helpful. They really, they really do. So um, what I always encourage people to do is know generally what kind of job you want to do. So if you're changing industries, you still have to know what you want to be doing. What are the daily activities? What are the goals for the the role that you want to take? Right. Um, And then know which stories from your current position or your previous positions tell the story of how you're good at that particular activity. That's right. For instance, if you want to be an account manager and you've been doing sales, you can tell the stories of how you develop long-term relationships and serve the people that you've been selling to, because that demonstrates to any hiring manager or anybody who might know a hiring manager that you're good at this particular task. And um, the, the better you are at telling those stories, oh my gosh, I had such a good day yesterday. This happened with my client and this is why I found it so interesting and, and rewarding. Right. Then they know what you do and that's how they can help you. You know, and to add to that point, touche, when we were talking about tools and to your last point, I coach my clients what I call the WHR method, which is what, how, result. So when you're in an interview, you want to explain to the hiring managers, what did you do? How did you do it? And what results or benefits did you bring the organization? And it sounds doggy dog, but at the end of the day, businesses are in business to make money and save money. And if you can show how your top transferable skills can help them move the needle, it puts you in a totally different classification of candidate. You know, now I'm somebody that has spent, oh, I don't want to age myself, but many, many, many years helping people find jobs. And in my work, I've looked at over 180,000 resumes, probably more now because I haven't counted in a while. And what I have learned is people that can frame their answers in that format are able to get their point across in usually 60 or 90 seconds. Because when we ramble, we tend to lose our audience. So that was a really, really good point that you brought up. And I should have included that in the tools earlier, because that's something that I think has helped a lot of people differentiate themselves in the market. Definitely. And especially in the context of networking, when you're not trying to, you don't want to overtly say, hey, I'm looking for a job, especially if your current employer might be nearby. Right. <laughs> so yeah, that's but an unpublished job market. <laughs> right, exactly. But if you're at a, an event and you start talking to somebody and they say, what do you do? Instead of answering, well, I'm an account manager for blah, blah, blah. You say, well, yesterday I had this awesome conversation with a client and this is how we came up with a solution for them. Right. And they know right. what you do and they know what you're good at and they know what matters to you. 
because it, you're telling a story about how you created a solution for a client. Yeah. It's like a tagline, right? It's, uh, I always yeah. tell my clients, I have seen in my own experience and many of your listeners, I'm sure as well, that it's not often, it's not always the person who has the best, you know, is the best skills or education or experience for that particular role. Sometimes it's the person who markets themselves the best. Right. And I think that's important to, to think about because you are the brand. Right. So when I talk to people, they say, what do you do? I teach people how to network smarter, which piques curiosity. And then I go into the second part of that, which is, you know how some people feel uncomfortable talking to strangers and they say, yeah. And I say, I fixed that. <laughs> so everybody needs to have that, that type of response that some people right. call it the elevator pitch. I call it the, tell me about yourself statement. Mm-hmm. Like you said, to be able to explain what it is you do. And I think everybody wants to have purposeful and meaningful work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're able to really step back and think about what you do, I'm in this business. I've been in this business for 20 years because I want to help change people's lives. And I want to give them the opportunity, the tools, the resources, and the mindset to really do the things that they feel called to do. I'm not saying it's going to be easy and you can't just wake up one day and say, I want to be an astronaut and you get to go be an astronaut. You have to be realistic, Mm -hmm. but to give people, to be a a conduit, to open people up to new possibilities is why I don't really feel like I have a job. (laughs) I literally bounce out of bed so excited. It sounds corny, but when you do what you love, it is a huge gift. It, is. it really is. It's, I, I told somebody the other day, it's still work. I just happen to like it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. But that doesn't mean that it's not work. <laughs> I deserve exactly. to be paid for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, it, Karen, it's, it's funny how the universe works because I think when it's time, just like in relationships. So for your listeners, my TED talk is career dating. And I talk about what dating and career transition have in common, just because there are so many things. Um, You've got to know your value. Mm -hmm. You have to know kind of the direction that, that you want to head and you have to be willing to, you know, look at it's awkwardness in some cases too. And it's trial by error. I uh, fell into jobs as a young person that, you know, just crazy story. I, if you talk to anybody about time, they'll tell you that my son's joke that if you are on time, you're five minutes late. And that comes from when I was a young person, my very first real job, if you will, I got fired because I was out clubbing in St. Louis and had my fake ID and was partying and dancing till three, four in the morning. And I got fired because I couldn't be at work at 7 a.m. It was just, you know, young, dumb, whatever. But here I am, you know, in my, I just turned 51 and I'm like crazy about time. And I think the universe had to set me up for that failure, if you will, so that I could learn the lesson that has stuck with me that my employers and my clients now have appreciated. In fact, people joke, wow, it's two o'clock. It's exactly two o'clock. You called exactly at the meeting time. I'm like, why is that rare? That's the way business should be, right? Like respecting other people's time. So you can learn from every experience you have, whether it's 
a positive or a negative. There's, I always say pain leaves a gift. It, it always does. And we don't always love it, but we can always appreciate it for sure. If you see it as a gift, you know what you yes. can learn from it. And absolutely not as a victim. That's right. I'm hard headed. So my lessons have to come kind of, <laughs> kind of, kind of tough, but those, you know, failure has been my best teacher to be quite honest. And so with a lot of my clients, they tell me up front, I'm scared to be rejected. I'm, I'm scared to talk to people I don't know. And I'm afraid I'm going to fail. And I tell them right away, that's part of the journey. Let's embrace it now because you will, you will fail. You will be rejected. You will say dumb things. You, you will have people that, gosh, I've been a power networker for how long, Sarah? And there are people that people, there are people out there who don't connect with me on LinkedIn. There are people who don't want to network with me. I give away free consulting sometimes to give back to the universe, what it gives to me. People are like, what's the catch? I'm like, there's no catch. You're just the recipient of, you know, 30 minutes of consulting today. And it's, it's always interesting, you know, to put that kind of energy into Mm -hmm. the universe. But I think when you do, you know, when you pay it forward, kindness always comes back. And when you put yourself in that mindset of being an opportunist, whether it be, you know, looking, you know, however you want to use networking, because a lot of my clients, some of them will use it to increase their sales. Some of them use it for new career opportunities. Some of them use it because they want to share their knowledge. Some of them use it because they want to meet other like-minded people. So there's a lot of benefits to networking. And when you kind of push past your fear, you can start networking with confidence. And those are, those are, that's when the magic happens. I think Mm -hmm. that's the fun part. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. Terry, this has been such a treat as I knew it would. And I'm so grateful for your time. This is kind of a perfect turnaround to come back to where we started, which is when you step out into something that's uncomfortable and acknowledge it for the discomfort it is, then you can learn and you can choose what your next step is. And I keep thinking about you choosing to go and take a course to learn how to sew a pillowcase, which (laughs) is something not comfortable for you because you've been telling yourself your whole life that you're not a seamstress. So being able to step out of that and see yourself from a different perspective and choose something with intention is it's a perfect message for today. Well, thank you. I think it is important to be Un, you know, to go through those uncomfortable moments to learn how to get comfortable being uncomfortable. So we're always in a growth mindset. And I think that's important. So thank you for your time today. I had so much fun and I hope your listeners are learning a lot about networking and career transition through your program. Definitely. Listeners, now it's your turn. I'm challenging you. Well, I would like to say Carrie and I are challenging you to do two things this week after you hear this podcast episode. Do two things this week. One thing, reach out to somebody in your network that you haven't talked to for a while and be curious, ask them how they're doing with no other ambition or motivation behind it, but just to check in with them. And the second thing, do something that makes you a little uncomfortable, that brings you into your stretch zone. Maybe it's something like planting something in your garden, even though you've always told yourself you you kill green things. <laughs> or maybe it's um, singing in the car with somebody else in the car with you. Do something that challenges you just enough 
so that your heart rate starts to go up, you start to flush a little bit, and it makes a smile on your face. Thanks for listening. Smile, what's the use of crying? You'll find that life is still worthwhile if you just smile.